Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to begin this morning with a confession. I really like to eat. And I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty good at it too. It's one of my favorite hobbies, one of my favorite pastimes. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm at one of my favorite go-to fast food restaurants. I'm standing in line and there's a large glass case in front of me. I'm waiting anxiously. On the other side of the counter, what's going on can only be described as the construction of a mound of carbs and proteins, all being wrapped into the delicious shape of a burrito. I mean, the contents are so full, you can barely stretch the, the tortilla around to close the burrito. So I'm standing in line, I begin to shuffle my way down the counter, I've got my card in hand, I'm eyeballing my burrito, and I'm just anxious and excited to get to the counter. I can almost taste the warm queso. And then I get to the point of payment, and I pay, it's a small fortune, but it's worth it because it's delicious. But then comes one final question. Would you like to leave a tip? Huh. No, I would not. And if I can be honest with you this morning, if I can be candid, we're all family here. My first thought was a tip for what? I just walked six feet from there to here. I'm going to make my own drink. I'm going to carry my food to my table. I'm going to clean off my table when I'm done. No one's carrying me out of here. No one that I know of is going to be driving me home. But you want a tip for what? I'm going to have to borrow against my house to pay for the burrito. No, I wasn't going to be coerced or compelled into giving a tip. Do you feel that way sometimes, if you're honest, when you're asked to, to give to something? You work hard for your money, right? We're called to be good stewards of our money, after all. I come from a big family. What if my own family needs those finances in the future? For the past three weeks, we've been talking about uh, giving and generosity. The church has been talking about giving a generosity for far longer than that. If we go back to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 2, we get a really cool and unique glimpse of the very early church and its people. Luke describes the fellowship of believers when he talks about the early church and its people. Specifically in chapter 2, verses 44 through 47 of Acts, it's on page 1137 in your pew Bibles if you want to follow, follow along there. You can also use your phone or your own Bible. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47, we read the following. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So we read in Acts about our early brothers and sisters who were literally selling their possessions and distributing the proceeds to anyone that had need. Not out of coercion or compulsion, but out of concern and care for each other. Not because of a mandate, but because they loved each other and man, they meant it. The more they poured out, the more God poured in, their hearts were glad and generous. 
they sacrificed a little bit, and the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. What would it look like today, tomorrow, or this year if we lived like that church of yesteryear? So here's this early church that begins to expand out of Jerusalem, goes into various cities, and Paul begins to write a series of epistles or letters to these various churches. One of the letters that he sent was to a church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing specifically about the very popular topic of collections for the church. Paul is writing to strongly encourage the Corinthians to give generously. His argument for doing so has multiple points. He says, your generosity is going to help the needs of others. It's an expression of your thanksgiving. It will unite us as believers, and ultimately, it is pleasing to God. There's a theme to this letter also about preparation, about giving with the right attitude or motivation. There is no coercion, compulsion, or mandate here, but Paul is strongly encouraging them to give generously. In these verses, Paul is really just echoing earlier teachings from the Old Testament, teachings about generosity from Proverbs and Exodus and Deuteronomy, these teachings that suggest that we gain something when we give something away, that we receive a bounty, that we receive a blessing, that we become richer when we give to others. So let's take a look at part of Paul's letter from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. It's on page 1,208 in your pew Bible. Modern-day Bibles have titled this section, The Cheerful Giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully, sometimes the Greek word is translated with blessing, whoever sows with blessing will also reap bountifully or with blessing. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So Paul says they must give as they have decided in their own hearts. When I stood at that restaurant counter recently, my heart was hardened. My mind was made up. I was reluctant at best. I was resentful at worst. I wasn't going to be coerced or compelled into giving something that I didn't think was earned. But what Paul is talking about here isn't giving out of uh, coercion or compulsion but giving out of compassion, not giving out of obligation, giving out of opportunity. The early church had a beautiful and unique opportunity to make love a verb rather than a noun, a beautiful opportunity to put care and adoration into action. Their giving wasn't done out of reluctance. They relished at the chance. It wasn't done out of compulsion but because they care. For them, it was a get-to, not a have-to. And here's something else I think Paul is asking us to consider when we read these verses. When we talk about money, whose money is it really? What is the source of the funds in the first place? Was I purchasing this burrito with the labor of my own hands? Or was it really sourced from God? Was He the blessing of the finances 
in the first place? Was the tip so far-reaching, or was it really just an opportunity God had given me to bless someone else in a small way? If we're given real opportunities, why are we reluctant? In verse 8, Paul seems to dispel at least one of the most popular used excuses or reluctancies for cheerful giving. He seems to wash away the worry that we make up about the fear of running out of money. He seems to suggest that it's foolish for us to fixate on our own abilities and our own finances, and this is my money. Paul talks in these verses about sufficiency. He says you have sufficiency in the past, you have plenty in the present. Maybe not for every single want in your life, but God provided in the past, He provides in the present, He will provide in the future. Paul is saying, change your heart and hearts. Unclench the fist that you have around your finances. Find opportunities to be a cheerful giver. With hands open and giving, we're in this perfect posture to receive as well. So there is a challenge and an opportunity before us. The challenge is this. Cheerful giving seems like an oxymoron in our society, doesn't it? Cheerful and giving, they just don't go together. The world tells us that joy comes from getting, not giving. So we hold tight to what we have. The world says save, don't share, so we store up our excess. The world teaches the more you have, the more you hoard, the happier you'll be, so we chase after joy as we jam our closets full. We shake our heads in disgust when we read of the parable of the young rich ruler with all of his excess and his barns and his storehouses, but storage unit facilities are popping up on every street corner in our city. We are paying people to store the stuff that we've already paid for. We don't give joyfully or cheerfully most of the time. We give only when coerced or compelled, and even then sometimes we don't give. You take care of you, I'll take care of me, I'm going to pay for this overpriced burrito, but don't ask me for a tip, I won't be coerced or compelled. However, we have a beautiful and an amazing opportunity before us. With glad and generous hearts, we can choose to give cheerfully. Maybe that happens in small ways. Maybe it is leaving a tip at a restaurant. Maybe it's setting aside a little bit of money or resources for the single mother who's doing the best she can, and man, some days it just doesn't feel like her best is good enough. Maybe it's purchasing prescription medications or some needed necessities from a store for an elderly shut-in who's trying to stretch Social Security as far as it will go, and man, inflation is increasing each and every day. Maybe it's taking supplies to a local animal shelter. Maybe it's uh, baking a birthday cake for a critically ill child. Maybe it's making dinner for a family who's celebrating the, the birth of a healthy baby. Maybe it's the opportunity to partner with your church to bless the entire community around you through an offering. Pastor Adam is hiking today. He'll be back next week. 
but Sunday after Sunday, week after week, he stands in this spot. When we take up an offering, he says, we give not to get God's love, but because we already have it. We do. And we also have a beautiful and an amazing opportunity before us. So why should we give joyfully? Why should we seek to become cheerful givers? Paul taught that our generosity helps the needs of others. It's an expression of our thanksgiving. It unites us as believers. And it is pleasing to God, but I would add something to that. Why should we give generously? Because God gives so generously with us. He gives us far more than we could ever earn. God doesn't withhold, so we shouldn't withhold. Not with our forgiveness, not with our finances. Christ wasn't coerced or compelled into giving his life. He willingly gave up his life for us. For sinners who can be selfish. For ungrateful children who can be greedy. For hordes of people who are harboring hardened hearts. For billions who turned a blind eye to others in need. Yes, even for a vicar, a pastor in training, who is learning all about God's love, who stood reluctant to leave a tip. Yes, even him. Christ is our example. It wasn't coercion or compulsion that caused Christ to be crucified. It was love, deep and abounding love for you. Jesus didn't hesitate. There was no reluctancy. So what are we waiting for? We have a beautiful and an amazing opportunity before us. Like our brothers and sisters in the early church, let us give joyfully and with grateful hearts. In thanksgiving for his sacrifice, let others see the love of Jesus when they look into our faces. Let us leave here with the right attitude and motivation and hearts. Let us look for all of the opportunities that abound to shower others with care and compassion and love. As we go forth, let us be aware of each and every get-to. With Jesus as our guide, let future generations talk about us, this fellowship of believers. Let them call us cheerful givers. God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. So go forth and share that love with others. Amen? Will you pray with me? Gracious and merciful Father, we love you. Father, forgive us for sometimes harboring hardened hearts and for being reluctant to give. Father, this fellowship of believers... Uh, give us cheerful hearts. Let us find all of the opportunities to get to when we leave here today. Father, the deeds are all around us if we open our eyes. If you make us aware, stir our hearts for the needs of others. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for our sins. Father, this morning I would lift up uh, all of those who are hurting, who are suffering. Father, people wake up daily in pain. We don't take that for granted. I ask that you comfort them and strengthen them, give them uh, hope, give them peace. Specifically, Father, we lift up Michael, we lift up Kylie, I lift up my own dad, all who are going through treatments, doctor's appointments, things that are, that are coming down the pike. 
pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So this is the point of service where we take up an offering. If you came today prepared to give, this is the fourth and final season about generosity and giving, so you'll be glad to know that. So next week it's on something different. Pastor Adam will be here. But um, we take up an offering in this place because it helps, uh, helps you demonstrate the trust and the thankfulness you have in God. It helps you partner with the point and the things that we are doing in the community. So if you came today prepared to give, you can do that using uh, cash or check and the little black boxes that are by the outside doors. If you'd rather give online, it's okay to do that too. You can go to thepointknox.com. There's a little teal icon there at the bottom where you can click on that. You can set a one-time gift. You can set recurring gifts. Whatever you give and however you give, know that we don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you very much. So as we said at the beginning, uh, this is a place where if you have questions, doubts, struggles sometimes, it's okay, and you can text those in. There's a number on the screen. Uh, and then we do our best. Pastor Adam does a far better job than I do, but I do my best when he's not here to answer the questions. But before that, uh, there's a, a pamphlet, a guide here called the Sabbath Practice. So I think Connect Groups kicked off this week. Is that right? So if you, if you feel disconnected and you want to join a group of people throughout the week in between Sundays, uh, we've got a lot of people who are doing Connect Groups, so I would encourage you to see one of us about joining a Connect Group. But this Sabbath practice, I think, kind of goes in conjunction with what we're going to be talking about this fall and in those Connect Groups. I think it's $10. It is $10. Uh, and I think you can purchase them at the back there, so it looks like this, so I would just mention that to you. Um, I joke about this because this is very difficult. Pastor Adam makes this look easy on the spot. I welcome the questions. I just don't always do an effective job of answering them. But bless you all because we keep refreshing and I don't see any questions that have come in. It looks like we both have an easy week this week. Nothing has come in. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Yes. I joke about it. Bring the really tough questions next week for Pastor Adam. So, all right, easy enough. Okay. That was a short service. That's a short sermon. You guys, uh, I used to sit through long sermons as a kid. It used to drive me nuts. So uh, maybe that's where that comes from. All right. I appreciate you all being with us this morning. Before you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.